Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we have Nikki Joyner with us. Nikki is the managing director and the lead strategist at the Parallel Agency. The Parallel Agency is a full-service consulting agency specializing in equity, access, and belonging with membership-based organizations. They are on a mission to empower people and organizations to align their words with their actions in the areas of equity, access, and belonging. Nikki, I can't wait to hear more about this. Welcome to the show today. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Happy to be be here and coming at you live from Dallas, Texas. Hey, Dallas. Hey, Dallas. (laughs) Love it. Well, Nikki, could you please share with us uh, a bit more about who you are and then give us some details on what you do with at the parallel agency, what I said, but fill it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So I'd love to add, add some color to who I am and what, what we do with our team. Uh, so I'm Nikki Joyner, which is still a little strange, honestly, because I got married about a month and a half ago. So oh, my name is now. Yeah, now Nikki Joyner. Um, she, she, her, hers, or you can refer to me by my name, whatever works for you works for me. Um, and I have been in the entrepreneurial space for just under three years now. So I always like to tell people I am self-taught, but community made. And there's been a lot of amazing people that have really poured into me in a way that's allowed me to reach my fullest potential, not only as a speaker and as a consultant, but also mm-hmm. as a co-lead for our team. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really fortunate to be able to be surrounded by a lot of really great and amazing people who have helped me get to where I am that has in turn allowed our agency to get to where we are. So would love to talk about what we do. We are a very niche focused consulting group um, mm-hmm. and we focus heavily on membership based or organizations. Mm-hmm. So when I say membership based, I mean like Girl Scouts of America, uh, fraternities, sororities, um, any membership based association that someone might belong to in their professional workspace or industry. Um, but we focus heavily on membership based or organizations in the DEI space or diversity, mm-hmm. equity, and in inclusion. Mm-hmm. Now, we started our agency in 2019 and we started focusing. Um, narrowly on fraternities and sororities. Myself and some of the other members of our team had been working full-time in higher ed, working mm-hmm. with fraternities and sororities on a day-in and day-out basis. Yeah. And we came to this road stop 
kind of where we were in a space where fraternity and sorority was really good to us. We had really great experiences and made some of our best memories and closest friends while members of our organizations, but yeah. also came to this crossroads where we realized that something that was so great and wonderful for us can also be equally as harmful when we talk about, you know, systems that are not made for everyone to succeed. And let's face it, fraternity and sorority is a place where power and privilege run rampant. Um, and there's a lot of things that exist in, in our organizations that are not socially acceptable in other spaces and sh mm -hmm. should continue not to be socially acceptable in our space. But for some reason, we just have a hard time tackling those things. Yeah. And we believe that equity and access and representation really encompasses that. So we started our business in 2019 to focus on those pieces with fraternities and sororities at all levels from the local chapter level that you'd see on a college campus, all the way up to the paid staff at the international level. Mm -hmm. um, and in this year, so 2022, we expanded and started working with other membership based or, or, or organizations uh, mm -hmm. like Girl Scouts of America, Meeting Planners International, the, the Junior League, and some of those pieces. Mm -hmm. um, so still expanding, still growing, but ultimately maintaining true to that affinity space where people come and ultimately want to be able to achieve their fullest potential. We yeah. help people do that through the lens of equity, access, and belonging. So tell me more about equity, access, and belonging and what that means when you enter into this relationship with your clients to help them align the, who they are or their words with their actions in that context. Yeah, I love it. So we actually came up with our name because of what we do. So when you think about two parallel lines, they often align. So we take the words with the actions and we want that to happen. Um, so we started a move, move movement that was really centered in like strategy development. So when we started working mm -hmm. with clients, it was they came to us and they said, help us solve our, our issues. Um, and mm -hmm. we did that through a variety of things, some coaching, some consulting, some training, some policy development, um, mm -hmm. some curriculum development, and then we scaled really quickly. And that yeah. model no longer worked for us. <laughs> so we had to put <laughs> some services and some structure in place. Yeah. So now we bucket that in three main areas. The first time is like real time training. So we yeah. do that through keynotes and workshops, consulting, coaching. Mm -hmm. um, the second bucket is our strategy development. So we have a, a like a strategy development relationship where people can join in with us in like a part partnership type style. And we mm -hmm. help them work through high level strategy that has long term gain. Um, mm -hmm. And we typically do so in an hours model. We help them. I, I identify things like goals and aims and strategy plans. Mm -hmm. And then the third space is really about the curriculum development. So we do a lot of curriculum development for our clients. We have package mm -hmm. curriculum that we would sell as a product, but then we also do customized curriculum for folks. So mm -hmm. we've really narrowed into those three buckets, um, kind of the real time, either virtual or in person, that strategy development, that equity audit piece. And then the third mm -hmm. piece is really that curriculum development. And mm -hmm. that allows us to triangulate almost everything that we do. So about 80% of our clients do three or more things with us. So they're not coming yeah. to us. It's like a, come be a speaker for this and then leave. Yeah. Um, but instead helping our, they're, they're allowing us to help them to part, part partner and make real-time change 
um, and the things that they want to see from both a short-term and a long-term perspective. Wow. So could you please, I, I, I want like even more with this because it's so fascinating. I'm so curious about what that's like for, for an organization to either become aware of yeah. how they're, um, what they're saying maybe doesn't align with what they're doing or is, I guess maybe what I'm asking is, do they reach awareness or is it brought to their attention and then they seek help? Mm, that's a great, great question. So I would say it's about 60, 40, um, 60% of the folks that we work with come to us proactively and say, we know we have issues. We know we have Mm. gap areas that, that we need to solve. Um, and about 40% of our, our, of our clients come to us after something happens. And then Mm. they're like, Hey, maybe I have an issue or a concern, but we're very plugged into our market. And I think that's one thing that has allowed us to reach people more proactively mm-hmm. um, and help people invest proactively in long-term sustainable change. Because we know when something happens, um, we're only focused on resolving the incident and trying to put a bow on that as opposed to addressing some of the root causes. So I would say it's about 60, 40. Mm. Um, we do have some things that that we do that helps people to reach a good understanding of where they are. Um, We have a consulting and strategy model that we use that's rooted in the MOCA model for managerial leadership. That's M-O-C-H-A. And then we also have our own homegrown model that we use that focuses on ability and desire. So we have a lot of activities and things that we do where people start to get a good understanding of, oh, I thought my organization was here, but maybe we're actually here. Um, and then we've also got some pieces that are more structural in nature, like our equity audit or our culture assessment that allows us to really dive deep into some of those pieces to be more high level practical, um, just in terms of where people are at, what members of the organization are saying and how we know these things to be true. Uh, so it's definitely a mix, but overall about 60, 40, 60% are coming to us proactively understanding that they have gap areas that they need to fill. And then 40% are coming to us because of some sort of incident that happened in their organization that they want to help to mend. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, with that understanding, then you had mentioned before that you work with organizations and they can, they see results without having, you said they don't need to hire a coach. They don't need to invest in all these programs that we also typically do. I think I totally get it why that would happen. Could you share how that does happen? Like, I feel like I see it, but tell me from your perspective how that happens and what you get to witness occurring for them. Yeah, so we so we started our agency in 2019, in January of 2019, and we had our first client in March of 2020. So let's just put that into perspective for just, just a second here. March of 2020, we oh, got our first agreement. It's in waves. It's in yes. waves that it's coming. Yes. <laughs> Try to um, black that out. First agreement with our first client, mm-hmm. like a week before the world shut down and the global pandemic started. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry. That informed basically everything that we did and how we yeah. did it. Um, And during that time, we also saw a lot of folks that were coming into the virtual speaking, consulting 
space. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly after the murder of George Floyd in June of 2020, we saw a lot of people being very vocal about, frankly, they're fed up with the way that the world is and how we need to change and alter. So mm -hmm. there was a lot of things coming to the space at, at one time. And I think we were trying to navigate, how do we do this in fraternity and sorority? How do we do this with people who we know have a large affinity to their organizations in mm -hmm. a space that we know and understand? So there was a lot of people who came to us that were not in fraternities and sororities, but found us other places. Mm -hmm. And we pointed them other directions. We pointed them to other, other consultants, other speakers. If there were things that they wanted that we weren't able to deliver on, we pointed them in other directions. And I think that is a very, that can be a bold move for business in a lot of yeah. ways, but it's also, it was like very real for us to understand we are not going to be the thought leader in every single space. And we're not going to be able to help every single organization solve their their issues or fill in their gap areas. Just not going to happen for us. So we had to look at capacity. We had to look at what are we uniquely positioned to do. And in a lot of ways that just came through, you know, who else can we point you to and how else can we help you pivot? And in some ways we did that with people um, that were in our space. But at the same time that we were seeing all of these things happen, we also saw a large influx of people leaving the, the, the workspace. So yeah. people leaving their corporate job, their non nonprofit job, whatever it was to come and do maybe biz business coaching or to come and be a full-time speaker or a consultant. So there was a lot of things coming our way and we were trying to figure out what do we invest in as new business, as new business owners in a way that can help to elevate our business. Cause there was a lot of noise yeah. <laughs> just in terms of what people were doing, what they were offering and right. we just decided to continue on the homegrown path. So we actually hit six figures and we're able to scale without hiring a business coach or without hiring a business manager or any of those pieces with the caveat that we have both now. Yeah. So there was a lot of things and a lot of work that needed to be done, but I think we scaled so quickly um, yeah. to the point where we had to start investing and in help and support from other people who had thought leadership and expertise in areas that we did not. And for yeah. both me and our co-lead, neither one of us had expertise in running a business. <laughs> we knew nothing <laughs> about it other than like, this is what we think needs to happen based upon what we think right. that we know. But I mean, we were, we were <laughs> very, very green. I will say someone yeah. asked for an EIN number and we Googled what is an EIN <laughs> number and how do I get one? So right. yes, it was definitely a process, but now we're in a space to be able to invest in those kinds of things and also in a space to know what our lane is and in turn help to point people in other directions that maybe would not be a mutually beneficial relationship with us um, and help point them in a, in a direction of someone else who maybe could potentially work with them based upon what they're looking for. So it sounds like you were able to scale because you said no more than yes. And 100%. Yep. 100%. And people started to see us as the thought leader in this space mm -hmm. with membership-based organizations. Yeah. So we were able to try out some things, which is why we decided to expand from fraternity and sorority to member-based specifically. Mm -hmm. um, but we said no to a lot of things. Um, and we said no to a lot of asks, particularly mm -hmm. asks around a lot of reactivity. 
and people wanted to come in and for us maybe to do a training or a speaking session, but they were not willing to address cultural issues. And for us, that was a, that was a no. Yeah. Yep. So that is scary for people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What was that like for you? It was highly scary because you're in a space as an entrepreneur where you're trying to get clients and you've been, I think socialized, we have been socialized to know and understand entrepreneurship as running our own thing, doing our own thing, which Mm -hmm. can be true in a lot of ways, but ultimately Mm -hmm. like likes on social media are not paying the electric bill. And when you're an entrepreneur, like there are things that you need to do in order to sustain the financial well-being of your company. So mm-hmm. to say no to people who are ready to pay you mm-hmm. can be challenging. And it was very challenging for us. And I think it took a lot of soul searching. It took a lot of planning, a lot of conversation around who is our ideal client? Who yeah. is the person that we want to work with? And how mm-hmm. do we know if it's a mutually beneficial match? Because yeah. specifically in the DEI space, Right now, there's a lot of people asking consultants and clients to come in and clean up messes that they're that they know they're going to make six months mm-hmm. down the line again. Oh, <laughs> so thinking like, do we want to be a part of that? How do we want to be a part of that? Mm-hmm. Maintaining some of the principles that we have really honed in on while yeah. still recognizing that everyone comes to us in different spaces and wanting to meet them where they are. So yeah. it was highly challenging. In a lot of ways, but ultimately yeah. saying no, just as much as we said, yes, also allowed us to build really meaningful relationships and gain credibility in our industry, which I mm-hmm. think is a long-term game that has provided us the necessary tools that we need to be successful long-term. Oh, absolutely. Well, during that time, what did you find yourself doing that maybe you now look back and you're like, okay. I shouldn't have been doing that. Like you got distracted in a way, even though you were so focused in this one area and you did, you executed well in that and those no's and yeses. Yes. So I would say two things. The first thing that we did was compare. Uh, By default, we compared a lot to other people that we thought were doing similar work to us. And Mm. comparison is truly the thief of joy. Um, and, And when we started to compare, with people and with other organizations, we put ourselves in a mindset that allowed us to fall into imposterness all the time. Like literally we were in spaces where we were like, I don't even know if we should be doing this because X person is doing it or Y company is is doing it and they're quote unquote doing it better. So comparison was the first thing that we fell fell into. And then the second thing, I talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but trying to be everything to everyone. And when we first had clients come to us, if the client was a mutually beneficial match, we customized a strategy for them as Mm -hmm. opposed to saying, here's what's on the buffet, Mm -hmm. make your own plate. We came Uh to the buffet and said, please make us A, B, C, and D from the back. (laughs) And that was not a good model. Um, And we were trying to do things to help to solve complex issues. And we thought that it would help set us apart, but ultimately it wasn't scalable. So we started doing, you know, kind of those three buckets that I talked through and started to funnel certain services into those buckets that allowed us to be way more successful and efficient because 
when we had two, three clients, that model was fine. Now we have 65. So it is not fine. Um, (laughs) Not learned the same way that we once did. So I would say those were the two mistakes that we made. Yeah. The important focus on Mm -hmm. seeing other people and comparing to other people and Mm -hmm. companies drove us to do what I just mentioned and also drove us to change. So there's definitely a lot that went into it, but ultimately I would say those are the two things that really kind of allowed us to pivot, but also stalled us in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's interesting how we can, um, leverage those things that, you know, can weigh us down and cause us to, like you said, stall, but if we can flip it, it actually creates an opportunity. Right. So what has replaced those challenges now that you've, you've scaled, you've leveled up, you mastered a lot of these um, issues from before what's come up now? Yeah, I think, you know, some of the things around competence and the way that we experience our skill set as people mm-hmm. is just something that we hone in on over time. And mm-hmm. one of the things I love about our team so much is that we are like the unsung heroes of the industry in which we operate. Our team members are not out like winning awards. We're not out on like a big, you know, built billboard or something. We're not a keynote speaker for a 4,000 person conference. We are the people that have been doing this work and volunteering our time and helping people move the needle in an intentional way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of things in speaking are about making people feel good. If you think about the best speakers and the, and like the best people that have really helped to deliver a message, chances are you felt empowered AF as soon as you were done and you were like, wow, this person is great. And we talk about some really important topics, but they're not always sexy and empowering. And I think that that was a realization for us is to get out of our own heads and figure out how do we uniquely position ourselves to talk about this in a way that is palatable, but also authentic to who we are as people. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes in the, the DE&I space specifically, that can be challenging because people have a narrative shaped about what they want to do and how they want to show up for this conversation before it even comes. So yeah. one thing that we have done is we have really invested in like team, team development for our educators who deliver yeah. workshops and trainings and also do consulting and coaching. So we essentially find ways to gas each other up. Sometimes that's like informal, sometimes it's formal. Um, And some things that we do to really help align who we are as people to help to show each other that we are in fact, badass women that can do this work. Um, And that has been a huge thing for us to consider and something that we've replaced with going on social media, scrolling and looking for likes. We have replaced this with going and looking at what other people are doing and instead on what are we doing and how are we building our, our people up to help to achieve their fullest potential so that we can work with clients in a way that makes the most sense for them. So I would say that is a number one thing that we've done to help to replace, which is really just a mind shift, right? Um, it's yeah. thinking about you know, how do we spend our time and how do we do it in a meaningful way? And then the second way is operationalized with a business manager. So shout out to Jane. Jane is fantastic. <laughs> She's Jane. Our- manager. She gets 12 <laughs> out of 10 stars. Like she is yeah. everything to us. Um, and yeah. she helped our world go round and has helped us to implement some scalable procedures that yeah. allow us to spend time and do the work that we want to do, as opposed to all the things we often get caught up in. 
Oh, that makes so much sense. So as you've scaled and as you've grown, then what has come up for you that you're like, I wasn't expecting this? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> there's been a couple of things, actually. Yeah. Um, we originally created our agreement based upon some access that we had to some other ag agreements and some templates yeah. that we had. And we just put it together, et cetera, et cetera. And we started receiving some issues with the contracts that we would send to clients. Um, we're in a really unique environment. So we use PDF agreements. We don't do like any sort of, you know, book, book Lily or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we actually hired an attorney to come and work with us to build our agreement out because we were seeing a lot of things come through in the agreement that we were not necessarily thinking about or like long-term strategy wise with a relationship with a client for 18 months that we mm -hmm. weren't necessarily thinking about. So legal aid was definitely something that we invested in to help us with that. Um, and then in turn, thinking about all of these like scalable things, there were things mm -hmm. that worked with 15 clients that don't work with 65. There were things that worked with 65 clients that never would have worked with the 15 clients that, 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 that we had two years back. So yeah. just being really intentional about how we spend our time and how we spend our effort, um, to be able to funnel resources and, and talent and capacity into the things that we need to, in order to succeed. So lots of high level conversation with a team. So we have yeah. a team of eight, eight people. Um, and right now, none of us are doing this full time. Mm -hmm. So this is a side hustle of love. That's what I would like to call it. Um, <laughs> in the next year or so, I venture that someone will go full-time from our team. But right now we don't have anyone in a full-time full, full -time space. So trying to yeah. manage that while also managing all these other pieces has been a struggle. Um, and yeah. I think will continue to be a struggle just because of the way we're just socialized as people to just go, 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 go. Almost right. till we like run ourselves in the ground to a certain extent. Right. Do you feel like that is one of the things that it happens easily or that you find yourself in where you're like, oh, I didn't even realize I was go, go, going. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I think, you know, the work that we do is really centered on how do we help people achieve their fullest potential? So yeah. we at this crossroads, right? To where yeah. we want to help people achieve their fullest potential, but our fullest potential is not met when we are mm -hmm. going 120 miles a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and I think being really intentional and focusing on some of the some of the systems and structures that allow us to think that that is what entrepreneurship is and should be. Um, and there's been a lot of unlearning in our process, um, just as much learning as un unlearning. Oh, I think that's so important to highlight that that's what happens. Mm -hmm. So where do you envision you going then in the next, you know, year, two, three? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. You know, we are, we have a lot of momentum right now. That's really allowed us to do some great work. So I would like to see us just continuing on that, mm -hmm. on that path. I think one thing that's really important for me is to continue to work with the clients that we have while expanding, but also making sure that we invest in our team and our people, um, mm -hmm. because there is an element to this work that is taxing and we have a lot of people on our team who are minoritized and have multiple dimensions of who they are as people that are mm -hmm. often seen as less than in a lot of ways. So to mm -hmm. have to talk about these things and consult and work with people 
in a space where they may be inadvertently like emotionally taxed or drained, it, it happens often. And yeah. investing in our team is, is of the utmost priority for me and our, and our other lead. So I would say in one, two, three years, I see us ups, upscaling people and continuing to invest in people in a way that makes the most sense for them so that mm-hmm. they can contribute to this team through their highest potential. And if that looks like expanding for us, then it looks like expanding. But right now we are very secure in our client space. We've done very well with retaining the clients that we do have while still bringing in more. So I would say our number one focus is actually team development. And then that second focus would be expanding. Awesome. Well, for those listening that are, that fall into your niche that are going, oh yes. Okay. Finally, somebody that does addresses <laughs> this thing that I need. How how do they get introduced to you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find us a couple different places. Um, first would be our site. So www.beparallel.co. Drop the mm-hmm. M. Um, if you come to the sea of blue, you are in the right place. Um, so beparallel.co. You can also find us on Instagram too, pretty active on there. Um, and that is at b.parallel, P-A-R-A-L-L-E-L. Um, we're also on LinkedIn. You can connect with us via email or Google search. Um, but I would say those are the two primary modes. If you are a decision maker and you're like, hey, I want to know kind of conceptually what they do, I would go to the site. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to get buy-in from other people in an organization, I would go to the Instagram. Um, we're very specific about the way that we tailor our message and our Instagram is very real time action oriented. You're going to see a lot of stories, a lot of reels, um, a lot of things about who we are and what we do. The website is going to be more high level for like decision makers to figure out how do we invest in this in a way that makes sense. That, that makes sense. Yeah. I love it <laughs> yeah. that you're intentional about that. and it has been such a pleasure talking to you. I just thank you for all that you've shared for your time, for your attention. And yeah, I'm so glad we got to meet. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks so much for doing this. You know, I think it's super, super cool that folks can tune into something like this and figure out who they are and how they can fit into this thing we call entrepreneurship. So right. appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? Uh, We ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.